Today's second ever On the Rails features beers brewed by New England Brewing Company out of Woodbridge, Connecticut, and Iron Brewing in South Norwalk, Connecticut. They are two of Fairfield County's finest, and I'm not just saying that because I live down the street from one of them. What's up, Iron Brewing? If you live in the tri-state area, get yourself to Nebco's Tap Room Tuesday through Sunday, or visit Iron Brewing's Brew Pub Wednesdays through Sundays. There's a $10 burger and beer combo on mm. Wednesdays. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited. Or check them out anytime at newenglandbrewing.com or ironbrewing.com. And lest we forget, we're talking Infinity War some more this week. So if you're not one of the millions who helped Avengers make more than a billion dollars in global box office already, spoiler alert, we're about to give shit away. So sit back, relax, and snap your fingers, do your step. You can listen all by yourself and enjoy the show. You're good at this. So good. <laughs> Can we do this every week? Every week. Yeah, we could just make this an every week thing. Yeah. Who needs I mean, other guests? Let's just become permanent co-hosts. I think we should just change the name of this podcast from On the Rails to the Infinity Podcast, where we just talk about Infinity War for two years until Infinity War drops. Isn't it just a year? I think it's it, like a year, I yeah. Like the like the worst idea of all time, but it's now the best idea. Of right. All time. We, we 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 talk about it infinitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason the pilot for this show couldn't have been the backdoor pilot for an for entirely another, separate just podcast. For the three of us. To, yeah. Just spin yeah. off podcasts. Yeah. Just get wasted while going into the mechanics of yeah. this film. Infinity wasted. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was like the initial premise of Blank Check, that they were just going to talk really? about the Phantom Menace forever. forever. And then, like, nine mm-hmm. episodes in, they're like, no, we can't keep doing this. I really like when artists take on a project that's too big to succeed, like Sufjan Stevens going after all 50 states. <laughs> and he got into Arkansas. He recorded one song for Arkansas called The Lord God Bird and then went, pass. Mm, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. At the same time, I, I also love taking a, a, like, super, super specific thing that can't sustain a full podcast, yeah. like You Talk New Two to Me, which is where, where they're like, well, let's do this for a few weeks well, until the new T- U2 album comes out. And they're like, oh, it got delayed a year. we got to pad this thing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> are, we, are we getting into this because... Okay, we're going we're gonna to get into this because clearly... We're going to talk about Groot, and I have things to say. Well, because since our last episode, James Gunn confirmed what the translation of his last one is. Yes, yes. I did haven't you, heard this yet. Oh, my gosh. We'll okay, so... Get, wait, do, we, do we do it now, or do, do we, we do, it do, now? do we get to We're going to go in, and then we're going to do it. Because okay. people are... Losing it. I was losing they're, it. They're having strong emotional reactions yeah. to this news item. It was like a tweet. Oh my god, then we're gonna lose it in three, two, one. All back. Oh, man. It's really Oops, happening. All back. Oops, the whole gang is back together again. For the last time ever. For the last time ever. It really is going to be like the second Avengers film, the fourth Avengers. Fifth Avengers film? What is the number going to technically be? It's going uh, to be. It'll be the fourth. Avengers. It'll be Avengers 4. Yeah, Ultron. 
this one. Have we theorized the about one. the title for the next one? We have not no, theorized about names. the title for the next one. No, 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 we no, haven't no. even told people the title of this podcast, which is On the Rails. <laughs> The show that turns think tanks into drink tanks. The show that makes sense of a senseless world senselessly. I am your host, not Kristen Scott Thomas, a.k.a. not Rogowski, a.k.a. to not to handle actual name Scott Thomas. And with me again, as they were last week, two of my favorite people in the world doing a deep dive on Avengers Infinity War I'm going to try that again. Avengers Infinity War, actual title, not part one. To my left, Rachel Shank, how are you? I'm great. Excited to be back. Excited to be here. I just want to do this all the time. We're going to do a spinoff podcast. We've already decided that. And to my right, the great, the fantastic Patrick Willems. I'm thrilled to be here. I feel like I, now that we've done this so regularly... And also in between the last episode, Scott and I recorded another podcast. We did. That I'm, it's going to be an adjustment, an adjustment not coming in to do this again next week. Yeah, it's Because strange. Rachel okay. and I are not your co-hosts. It's we true. are just repeat first guests. Uh-huh. And, and we'll be repeat guests again on other subjects near and far. And I also want to take an opportunity right now to thank everybody who listened in our first week from as far away as Finland and the UK. Wow. I see you on SoundCloud. Thank you to the hundreds that showed up for our first episode. We would love to have you back for more. So please do subscribe. Give us a five-star rating where Ever you listen to your podcasts. And speaking of thankful, we are thankful for the alcohol sponsors who donated their drinks to us today. New England Brewing Company and Iron Brewing, both out of Fairfield County, Connecticut. We're drinking Double Fuzzy Ducks. It's a Double India Pale Ale and the Belgian Double by Iron Brewing. And if you can get yourself some Double Fuzzy Baby Ducks... I swear to you, it yes. is worth it. It tastes like liquid gold. It's so good. And, I, they, and just the fact that the can looks like Duckman oh, in great. pro wrestling, I want to die. They actually had a beer that was called Gandhi Bot, and it was Whoa. an image of Gandhi on the can as a robot. Gandhi's estate told him to cease and desist. Oh, no. It is now G-Bot, and it is just a hand not so peacefully rising out of the ground. That's fantastic. It's truly Amazing. incredible. I'm going to say, I'm not normally really a beer guy, but I am enjoying this. I'm such a beer lady. I am I am such a beer guy and so happy to hear that you're digging it. And speaking of why we're drinking beers, what are we doing here drinking on air? Well, here's the I thing. Know. I can tell you. I got your back. So here's what's going down. We're going to do a deep dive on pop culture on all the news that made this week click. But while we do that, we are playing a drinking game that none of us know the rules to. Rachel has made rules for everybody. I've made rules for everybody. Patrick has made rules for everybody. If we figure out all the rules, whoever does that wins a $10 gift card from Juice Press. And if it's anything like last week's episode, no one's going to win it. No one's going to win it, and we're still not sponsored by Juice Press. I just bought a gift card. Now, if you want to play along at home, the rules are in the episode notes. We will also reveal them at the very end of the episode if you want to wait. And before we get too deep into the game, we got to play our very first game. It's a little warm-up exercise in celebration that I like to call I'll Drink to That. Yeah, boy! Yeah. 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 Yeah.
I was ready for this time. <laughs> I like that you let it hang there. That's fantastic. I'll drink to that. What we are doing, we are cheersing something that made our week. It can be something current. It can just be something that is really rocking your jollies. As soon as that phrase left my mouth, I regretted it. I'm just going to drink for saying rocking your jollies. That's a new rule. I'm going to yeah. use that multiple times throughout this episode now. So yeah. Just a heads and up. And also, like, if you say... I'm going to throw it out there. You should just have to drink to that because it's a good phrase. It's a good phrase. It's We're, a good phrase. It is wait, a wait. gift. Rachel, what's a good phrase? Rockin' jelly. Everybody's oh. drinking. Okay. Avengers Infinity War Part 2, Jolly Rockin'. I'm really excited. That's jolly my theory. Jolly Rockin' in the house uh, Avengers tonight. Coming 2019, <laughs> Avengers oh, Jolly no. Rockin'. I would not put it past Flo Rida to release a song called Jolly, Jolly Rockin'. Rockin'. Sorry for Jolly Rockin'. Could that be like no. the stealth song of the summer? It'll sneak in mid-July, just, mm. you know, dropped out of nowhere. It just waits for the five Kanye yeah. albums to drop, and Flo Rida's like, oh, snap. And there'll be a dance to go with it, and, yeah. you know... Three weeks later, everyone in the country is Jolly Rockin'. We're all going to be Jolly Rockin'. We're all going to be Jolly Rockin'. That's going to be the first t-shirt is just Jolly Rockin'. Jolly Rockin'. The Ringer's got t-shirts. We can have t-shirts now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, what is rockin' everyone's jollies this week? Anyone want to go first? Anyone got something they're burning to talk about? Rachel, you want to do it? I'll do it. I went last last time. I'll go first this time. You know, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. Uh, So, (laughs) I would like to raise my glass to the artist known as Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Donald Glover, a.k.a. my my husband in my heart, (laughs) uh, for real. Uh, He had an incredible show on SNL. I have not watched all of SNL, but I did watch like a Kanye place. Yes. um, Did you watch the courtroom sketch? I didn't. I'm like, there's too much TV. Yeah, there's so much TV. There's so much TV, but the the breakout thing is uh, American. This is America. This is America. This is America. Uh, this morning, woke up. YouTube was on. Watched it. Watched it again. Listened to it eight or nine times. That song is. I cannot, I cannot, I do not have the words to process this song by this incredible, intelligent, hilarious, sexy as hell artist. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Uh, like, if you have only watched it once, you need to watch it again and again and again, and you need to pay attention to what's happening everywhere because it is one of those perfect moments of an artist going, I'm going to distract you with me, but there's shit happening everywhere. Like, I'm going to watch it again later, and then I'm going to watch it again, and I'm going to watch it at work, and I'm going to watch it in the shower, and I'm going to watch it every single mo- It What? Ah! Uh, uh, ah! That's how I feel about it. It's amazing. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. Uh, And everything you said is correct. It's great. And part of me 
wants to be bitter about uh well I can't even be bitter about Donald Glover's talent because mm. he's the best he's better at than all of us at everything, everything. we might ever <laughs> hope to do. Yeah. But specifically uh Hiro Murai. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. who directed the music video but also has he directs most of the episodes of, of, Atlanta. of Atlanta. Yeah. He, yeah. He's direct he directed at least last week's episode of Barry. Uh, Did he? I had no idea. Yeah. He, so many of the, just the best recent stuff I've seen outside of feature films has just been directed by him. And I was just like, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Like, you're so good at all of this. It's like, you're just making everyone look bad. I, I feel very safe calling that the video of the year, not only already, but probably of 2018. That's mm-hmm. how sharp that video is. Oh, yeah, it's... And, and how much of an emotional bitch slap it is mm-hmm. to, to watch in the sense that it is hysterical. It's frightening. It'll be hysterical, it's... and then people will get shot, and it stops being funny really fast. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and, like, that... Does that not sum up the aesthetic that they have cultivated together with Atlanta? Yeah. I, in fact, the whole... I vi- just caught up on, on all the latest episodes yesterday. It's an incredible... Everything he's doing is absolutely incredible in the way it threads not only comedy and commentary together, but disparate genres we don't think about. We think about horror comedy as being something where one leads to the other, Mm -hmm. and there's sort of, uh, now we're in comedy world, now we're in horror world. Get Out very much felt that way to me. There are sections of that movie that are really funny, then really scary, and maybe the crossover happens. That crossover is so small and subtle in Atlanta in that Barry Jenkins episode. The TV episode of the year. It's unreal. And the fact that he's put out... Oh, no, no, wait. Teddy Perkins. Teddy Perkins, yes. I'm thinking I had Barry stuck in my head because, yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. Teddy Perkins. Oh, my God. Like... I mean, even... Have you seen the latest episode? No. The FUBU one? Oh, I want to. It's... uh, Because, I mean, it's all set in, like, the late 90s. Yeah. Uh, It's about, you know, Earn as, as a kid. And it's basically, it, it could just be like a Freaks and Geeks episode, pretty much. And it is one of the tenser, more suspenseful piece of television I've seen in a while. It's about a kid going to school, afraid that people are going to dunk on him if the FUBU shirt that he owns is fake. That's and unbelievable. That's it. And it's so, and, and like the tension in that episode is it, it, huge. And, and again, it was, I'm pretty sure that was directed by... Wait, wait, no. I think Donald Glover directed that episode. Anyway, these people are just really, really good at what they do, yeah. and uh, and it's both inspiring and like <laughs> mildly, uh, like mildly frustrating, just because they're they're so good. I'm like, I don't know how I'd be that good. Well, and I think what's exciting about him, and Rachel and I were sort of talking about this on bit, the walk yeah. over a little bit, is one of the things that blew me away about This Is America is not only how good it is, although given his track record, that shouldn't be that surprising, but I'm in the camp that thought Awaken My Love was a really nice experiment that ultimately didn't pan out as a record for me. I felt mm-hmm. like it was Donald Glover making an homage album. There was some stuff where I thought, yeah, dude, you just you crushed your style in this. And other tracks where I went, eh, I, I, I was more excited by Because the Internet. And I think he takes so many swings for the fences in so many different ways that actually it's not only that he's good at everything, but that he gives everything a try. And even his misfires 
are successes in the sense that he went for it Mm -hmm. and he really goes for something. And I think you will find someone who hates because the internet, but lives for awaken my love. And this is America hit me as like Donald Glover has found his protest music. Yeah. And it could be the song of the summer, not just because it's important, but because it's actually a fucking jam. It's really good. It's yeah. so, like I feel like he and Janelle Monae are going to be competing for actual song of the summer. Yeah. Potentially across America. And I, I'm sure you will be debating that on a future episode of the show. Next mm-hmm. week, in fact, we are going to be going in on that and we are probably all going to be collectively praying it's not the middle. But... Rachel, I'm going to give you the final cheers on that because it I sounds like I will drink to that. I to quote a, a show that Donald Glover was on. I have the weirdest boner right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a great one. Well, and since I'm talking into a mic, I will do mine, which is both very, very different from Donald Glover in pretty much every way, shape, and sense, and yet surprise me just as much as This Is America, which is the YouTube Red series Cobra. Kai, I am all fucking in on Cobra I Kai. keep hearing about it, and people seem to... Re- it seems like just a bad idea. Like, it's like, it shouldn't work, but everyone seems to like it a lot. I will be perfectly honest with you. If I wasn't trying to watch everything under the sun in the name of this podcast, mm-hmm. I would have skipped it entirely. And let me admit my bias. I did karate for 16 years growing up. It's pretty much the reason I'm a functioning human being. My mom said to me, you're going to take ballet or you're going to do karate. You're going to do one of the two things. I chose karate and karate is and was for me one of the bedrocks of my life. I like was, to kick it. You're a karate guy. Nice. And that movie was huge for me growing mm-hmm. up. I, I love that film. And I still thought... This is a terrible idea. There's no way this can work. Not it's only, also YouTube Red. What, yeah. Which is the judgment I put on it, too. It's not like that Step Up reboot did much for anyone. You know, and, and, and they've made some original series and brought some of the YouTube properties under that umbrella, but they haven't really had anything that most people were writing home about once it was a YouTube Red show. And so, I say this as someone who does YouTube professionally. YouTube, uh, I love you, and please give me a YouTube Red show. Yeah, I would love to be on any one of your shows. Thank you so much. Um, that said... Oh, yeah, YouTube, get at me. <laughs> <laughs> that being true. So here's the reason this blew me away. A, if we're taking the show strictly at face value, it strikes an absolutely impeccable tone between being a genuine 80s coming-of-age film again, not only for its main characters, who even though they're adults, still have to come of age one more time, and the young teenagers that get brought into the fold. Mm. And it does that without being ironic in any way. But I think it leads to a larger discussion about what reboots are in 2018 for me, which is I haven't watched much of the Roseanne reboot. And I'm certainly aware that there's a glut of sequels on the calendar. But I'm starting to think not only are they the new normal, but creators are starting to ask themselves why we reboot this, as Mm -hmm. opposed to just rebooting it. And the really crazy thing about Cobra Kai is the why is you are rebooting this movie that is about one moment from people's high school lives. So if you're going to do that, this moment is not only carrying over for our audience as the emotional hook, Mm -hmm. right, which is Billy beating Danny in the fight, but that means it's going to have to have carried over for their entire emotional adult lives. 
So we are suddenly dealing with characters whose entire lives have been shaped by this moment, much like the audience that's choosing to tune into this show. And what you get is a show that's about the dangers of nostalgia, even as it indulges them. Mm. Because for one character, for Danny, the head of, uh, no, excuse me, for Billy, the head of Cobra Kai, this whole thing has ruined his life. Yeah. And for Danny, it's built his life into a small, reasonable local empire where he's a millionaire and at the country club. It's amazing how the second they're brought back into each other's orbit, all the protections they had of their adult life, however thin, however major, fall away. And it really becomes a little bit about intergenerational trauma and what you choose to hold on to and build as part of your identity or what you don't. And I make it sound like it's a deep show, which on one level it is. And then it's also a show that features a training montage of kids beating cars up in a garbage yard and <laughs> Billy sicking attack dogs on them to get them ready for the tournament, which is exactly what the head of Cobra Kai would do. And it lives in both those worlds really successfully. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking a lot about our peak TV discussions about how much there's so many peak shows out there and it's so hard to decide what to watch. Yeah. Part of the sneak attack of this show is that it never feels like a peak television program. And it's really easy to tune into. You will do this show in two days, period. But How many episodes? Ten episodes. Okay. And they're about 30 minutes each. It's a really easy watch. But it's also a watch that I found to be surprisingly moving with some incredible breakout performances by the teen cast. I never encountered any of them before. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck 13 Reasons Why. This shit is like where like those young teen actors are coming through and representing. Mm-hmm. Like... Cobra Kai. Cobra, Cobra, Kai. Cobra Kai. The 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 main actor, and I should have looked him up. I'm being a bad host. The guy who plays Billy's protege is absolutely brilliant in a way that the teen actors from the '80s couldn't touch. Mm-hmm. He's he's informed by like generations of teen acting. He's natural as hell. He's asked to carry so much pathos. And there, there's an episode. It's episode three. The infamous skull costume from the movie comes back. And there's a direct retcon of the bathroom sequence with Billy and Danny. But this time, instead of being funny, it's devastating. Hmm. It's genuinely devastating. Huh. And it was the moment when I went, I'm all in on this show because they've turned this into a tragedy instead of a comedy, which is exactly what it should be if mm. this event from 30 years ago Still is going to carry so much weight. Yeah. And for being that brave a show... Even in its own lighthearted, fluffy way. Cobra Kai, I'm drinking to you. Nice work. All right. Yeah. I'm so curious about this now. I, it's yeah. worth the one month free trial YouTube Red subscription. I mean, yeah. I mean, I do, I do love a good teen drama. Oh, it, and, uh, it is. That's that. That is my jam. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say something controversial. Yeah. I haven't seen Karate Kid. You what? I mean, I haven't seen it since I was a child. Yeah, I yeah. never. I have never very little memory it. of it. And I, I have a fear that, like, because I don't have nostalgia connected to it, I'm going to just be like, no. Well, here's thank the question: Does Cobra Kai function without like the? The knowledge base uh, and familiarity with Karate Kid. And it's something I asked myself while watching it. And I think ultimately, yes, it does. It kind of has to because if it's going to, a lot of 
current teens haven't seen The Karate Kid. Yeah. And what's fascinating At is, least not the original one. Yes. Right, they've seen the Jaden Smith one. And Will Smith is a producer of this one, so it has oh. some of the same... A tonal uh, DNA there. Uh-huh. It is a merging of those two worlds. But they actually incorporate YouTube. Wait, in- wait d- does, does Jaden appear? Not yet. But what if this was the link between the two universes? Ooh. Shared universes for the win! Because, oh, I mean, the Karate Kid Cinematic Universe. And then Hilary Swank shows up? <laughs> oh, no. That's that, right. There's no way they could get Hilary Swank for YouTube. You say that, and these days... Will Smith is a producer. Will Smith, yes, Will Smith yeah. is... Leaping out of an airplane for YouTube or helicopter, excuse me. For YouTube? Yeah, he's doing it on YouTube. Wow, I thought it was his first Instagram or something. No, nah, it's for his YouTube channel. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh right, YouTube. yeah. He, Will Smith's trying to cut in on my game. <laughs> I'm going to shut him down. Big, big Willem style. Okay, that was a terrible joke. I'll never make it again. Oh, I'm no. Very, I'm I loved sorry. it. No, you're making a big Willem style video now. Yep. Or like, it's a. Okay, th- those are my t-shirts. I'm making <laughs> big woolen-style video, uh, our, our, our shirts. It's great. We all got a t-shirt out of this episode. Well, Rachel, I you, will yet you to will. one day. We have more than an hour left. It's yeah, true. There is time. We'll get to your t-shirt. There is time. But speaking of time, that means we have time for you to do yeah. your I'll And I'm going to use that t-shirt transition jumping off point. <gasps> nice. There you go. Uh, be- because t-shirts factor into what I'm about to talk about. Uh, so last week... I talked about Paddington. I drank to Paddington mm-hmm. as like the the unyielding force of positivity yes. that I think we all need in 2018. Oh yeah! And uh, I'm gonna drink to what is, has for me been my other unyielding force of positivity, which is uh, the man who has produced the album I have listened to the most in 2018, Mr. Andrew WK. Party, 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 party. Hey, I believe there are only two songs on this album that have the word party in the title. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, but so I've been, been an Andrew WK fan for a long time, mm-hmm. since sometime in college. The semester I was, in, I was studying abroad in Prague, my roommates and I all got really into him and just came to like fully embrace the maximalist, absurdist party metal like aesthetic mm-hmm. and, and style and just the, you know, I love all his stuff. I think he as a human being is he I mean he's essentially like the the metal Mr. Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's a, a genuine delight. Yes. I, I love everything about him. And but he hasn't made music in a while. And I, I do love his music because I, I think beyond the a, a pretty absurd obsession with partying and the, like the single track mind, mm-hmm. there is like genuine songwriting craft there. Yeah. And and yeah, I, I really like the music. Uh, I have seen him live multiple times. I have I, I attended uh, his speaking tour about the power of partying. What? Yeah, and uh, oh. he he did a speaking tour, just uh, just doing giving speeches, and amazing. it was it was amazing. It was oh. it was so great. What's the name of his venue? That's in Santos New- Party House. Santos well, Party not anymore. House. Oh. It closed down, but oh, he no. did, he did own Santos Party House. And it was a magical place when it was I open. Never got to go. I, I didn't. I, I saw so other shows it. there, but uh, it was a nice place. Yeah. And but for some weird reason, he hasn't actually released an album of new music in like a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he released one back. I think it was in March. It was in March. In March, called "You're Not Alone." And it is, it's, again, the album I've listened to the most this year. I still, I have it on constant rotation along, I alternate between that and just a Best of Andrew WK uh, playlist I made on Spotify. 
And this album, it's, I mean, pretty much what you can say about every Andrew W.K. album kind of applies to this and that it's huge mm-hmm. and it's on a massive scale and there is this constant positive message behind everything. Yeah. And they're, and I mean, they're like giant like metal songs, but they have titles like Music is Worth Living For and, you know, Party Mindset and yeah. You're Not Alone and stuff like that. And there, he also intersperses in these little spoken word clips. Yeah. That's basically just him impar- like super sincerely imparting his philosophy about, you know, about life and about partying, about getting through the dark times and stuff like that. And it's like it's it is in the same way that Paddington is what I talked about last week it's just it's so sincere and that sincerity and also just I I was reading some I think it was in maybe the Pitchfork review of Mm -hmm. the 10th anniversary re-release of his debut album I Get Wet that said that he's basically that kind of like Daft Punk's discovery he's the the genre he's working in is euphoria Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best way to describe it. It is basic, like all the music is essentially about giving you a a transcendent euphoric feeling. And I think it totally succeeds. And I just, I keep coming back to it because it just makes me feel really good. And I want to direct music videos to every song on this album, in particular, Total Freedom, which is the the 80s arena rock anthem that i that no one has made in like 20 years and is is just it is genuinely euphoric rich or poor we didn't care at all about who got first or who got here last or was best or worst And, uh, and I love it. I love him. I, I love his commitment to the <laughs> the white t-shirt, white jeans aesthetic that will never end. And uh, I think he is, uh, in, in the same way that, you know, well, he doesn't get the... I mean, this album has, like, been well-reviewed, and, uh, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's respected, but it isn't talked about in the same way that, say, like, you know, Childish Gambino or Janelle Monáe is. And at least for me, this is... I would put this alongside stuff like that in terms of the more important music of the year. We I realized when I came out that I needed. Yeah. And so I drink to Mr. Andrew W.K. Andrew W.K., cheers to you. Cheers. Well done. To piggyback off your uh, commentary on Andrew W.K. being the hard metal Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine was living in L.A., and she wrote to Andrew W.K. like a fan letter. And I don't know exactly what she said. I think it was something like, I'm living in L.A., like I'm super broke, I love to party. He sent her 20 bucks. He sent her a twenty dollar bill and like was like for and like a little like printout like picture of him and he goes, uh, to so and so for partying and it was twenty bucks. He just sent her twenty bucks. 
Like, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's astonishing. And, and it, it actually couples to the thing I was thinking, which is he gives gravitas to sincerity. Yeah. It, the second you're sincere, he treats it like an event, whether it's in his music or sending your friend 20 bucks, 20 bucks for partying. For right. partying. Because I heard about the, the story when recently a guy, like, tweeted about how he was like, listen to the new Andrew WK album and like drove too fast, got a speeding ticket. And then he paid the guy a speeding ticket. Yeah. But like sending your friend just 20 bucks, 20 bucks for partying. For partying. That's, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Like, Bananas. That's, right. And like all the, all the, the, his public image, he backs it up with actual stuff like this. Yeah. It's so, it's, he means all of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I like how partying has evolved since his first album, which was basically about partying until you puke. And now partying is less about, like, the actual physical act of partying and more about just, like, like a philosophical mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love it all. And how many people grow through their aesthetic, right? You're talking about an aesthetic that evolves. The word has literally evolved. Usually someone leaves those days behind them. Right. And technically he has, but the message hasn't changed. That's what's remarkable. It it almost retcons some of the earlier albums and he finds the sincerity that was in them. Yeah, and especially if you look at things like, you know, whenever he does some sort of uh, like stripped down acoustic solo piano thing and like the stereo gum offices or something like that, and he'll do this just solo piano rendition of, of Party Hard and it does kind of take on a new meaning yeah. when you strip away the like 100 overdubbed guitars and stuff like yeah. that. And yeah, I just... I love it. Yeah, there's a really good AV Club uh, cover of Party Hard, and I was about it. uh, Yeah, I know what you're saying. Honestly, I'm still about it. Like, anytime the AV Club is like, hey, come do a cover, I'm like, nope, that's the... This is the best version of that song that's ever existed. Yeah. Like when the screaming females did uh, oh Taylor my God. Swift, "Shake It Off," "Shake It Off," <laughs> I want to die every time. Like I hear that song, no matter when I hear that song, I go "Shake It Off," and I'm like, "Yes, yes, screaming females." That might be the world's first screaming females impression, but it's also the best. That Thank is a you. perfect that was, that screaming you. females impression. I, I know the video you're talking about. Yeah, and that it's was very so good. good. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And speaking of fantastic, a lot of fantastic music came out this week, so it's time to quickly rewind the week. Steve Carell's so pissed about because there was a lot of good shit that happened this week. Mm -hmm. I'm specifically thinking about television where Netflix pretty much ended the game. Yeah. Like Detroit versus everybody, it's really more like Netflix versus everybody. They dropped at least three things worth watching this week. John Mulaney's Kid Gorgeous, Dear White People, Mm -hmm. and The Rain. I know they dropped a show with Carol Burnett. Also a new John Woo movie. I am so about the Carol Burnett thing, guys. Wait, have you seen it? dying. No, but I am really about... I... I wanted to grow up and be Carol Burnett. I saw her live at the Beacon Theater. Like, I watched her show on syndication. She is all things to me. Like, if you ask me, like, it is Carol Burnett top to bottom. And I watched the preview. I've only watched the preview because there's so much television. (laughs) I only watched the preview and I was, like, crying. I was, like, I am so excited to see this woman on television doing things. I I can't. 
I said I was going to have you guys back. Legit, we're going to do a Carol Burnett episode now. Oh, no. And if you I ha- want it so much. If you haven't, she's been giving interviews. Drink, drink, drink. Oh, we sh- all have to drink. Wait, and that means we all have to drink again. Yes. Twice, and I have to refill the glass. Need beer. I do. I need to break into the Iron Brewing Company double. But, so, here's the thing. She's been giving these interviews, and I actually wrote down the quote because it kind of blew my mind. So she wrote this in, um, she wrote this, she said this Ugh. in Vulture this week. I'm in dying. the covered I'm wagon dying. days. Uh-huh. Rachel's <laughs> literally dying, guys. I just love her. I'm so glad we have a video feed of this. This is perfect. Okay, Hi. what'd she say? Like, okay, do it. <laughs> she uh. said, in the covered wagon days, which is when she was doing her show, they didn't even want to read a script. She's the best. <laughs> She's the best. <laughs> Go read the thing. I'm fine. So I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna roll out of frame. She's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna say this as softly as possible to milk it. They just said, "Go do it." That's what I'm giving you time to do. And um, if you're successful, we'll pick you up. But a lot of networks now they've they've got an army of people coming to comment and telling you how you should change something. Come on. You're the business people. Let the artists do their thing, and if we don't get the ratings, it'll be our problem. Quoted as saying Netflix is like the golden age of television, and it really got me thinking, can we even put Netflix in the discussion with anybody else anymore? Because the very good podcast, The Watch, uh, posited this theory, which is... Drink. Oh, shoot. I gotta pour this glass. And actually, if I'm drinking, that means Patrick needs to drink. Oh, wait. Did I also... No, you just you have to drink. I mean, I, I just did, but I realized, did you mean Scott drank drinks or we all drink? Oh, no, Scott drinks. Oh, I, yeah. oh, I just also drank, but then Scott... I, said, but also, every time I delegate a drink, I also want to drink to be a part of the situation. I'm also curious because uh, I didn't say anything, and Scott said I had to drink. I know. He, wait, does he have to drink if you have to drink? That's Is not he, the rule. Oh, okay. that's a, That would be a brutal rule. I'm that just, would I'm, be yeah. a brutal rule. I'm going to drag you down with me. But that's not the rule. This oh. rule is brutal, though. It's, oh, no. Yeah, it's terrible. Mm. But you do have to drink. I just did. Excellent. And so uh, what that program said is that anytime I mention another podcast. What? I mean, yes and no. Okay. So anytime, what that program posited is that Netflix, the cool thing is they can, or any other network, excuse me. God, that drink is kicking in. Uh, So (laughs) that, any other network, they're going to release two shows a year. Right, or two shows a quarter. AMC was the example. It's McMafia that they had coming out, and they had the terror coming out. And their success for any given pa- uh, period of months is dependent on those two shows. Netflix, they put out that many shows a week, at least. So their model for success and they is need totally to different. Slow the fuck down. Tell me why. Why? Okay. Well, my beef is mostly with Netflix's. Film releases. Mm. I oh, bright bad, bright bright. No no bad. no. It, I mean, <laughs> bright bad, bright, bright bad. I mean, I haven't seen it, and I'm not going to. But bright I, bad, bright bad, but bright bad. Rachel just found her T-shirt. No, <laughs> please don't associate okay. me with that one. No, I'll take it. Bright bad, is, bright bad. My issue is not with the movies Netflix makes yes. because while they made bright, they Ooh. also made Okja. Yeah, and they've Okja made, was great. Yeah, and you know what? Netflix released it terribly and did not promote it. And that's, and like, 
a new John Woo movie just came out. John Woo doing an action movie again. And you know what? Most people don't know about that because Netflix releases a billion movies and they just casually drop them on the internet and don't put them in theaters and don't tell anybody about it. And so it actually disappoints me when, like, during a film festival like Toronto or Sundance Mm -hmm. or whatever, if Netflix buys up a movie, that means, oh, well, I'll get to see it, but that means it won't be in theaters. That means it'll just quietly drop on the internet and will basically be buried Mm -hmm. under their absurd mountains of content. Yeah. Yeah. And they're so, and they just don't care because they have so much stuff. It's just like, whatever, we're making a billion things. Yeah. You're like, you're going to watch some of it. Everyone is subscribed to us anyway. We can afford this. And that's just what drives me nuts because their film distribution aspect is so bad Mm -hmm. and, and gives so little attention to the specific, the specific films. And they pr- the one movie they promoted was Bright. And, and Bright Bad. Bright Bad. Bright Bad. And, and, that just, and, be- and then because there's also so many shows, and I realize, and look, Netflix, they make a lot of shows I love. American mm-hmm. Vandal, my favorite TV show of 2017. Nice. And I don't know if anyone else would have made that show. They also put Carol Burnett back on TV. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But... They've re- they make so much stuff yeah. that it's hard to keep up, and and also it, it I kind of wish they would just cut back a little bit, even though that might mean affecting the things that I love. There's just I I, I almost think there's there's too much. And I mm. actually I get that because my favorite, arguably my favorite movie of the year. I don't want to commit to that quite as hard as I was about to. Yeah. But it's a horror film called The Ritual. I still haven't watched it. It's, I hear it's great. I've it's, never heard of it. It's Exactly. Yeah, and there is the problem. The turnover rate is so fast Mm -hmm. that you have to have someone tell you about it or it has to catch wave with the media somehow and get written about. And the crazy thing is I saw people write about the ritual. I went to go Facebook about it, and there were articles on Den of Geek. There were articles on The Ringer. There were articles as far as the eye could see. And most people still haven't watched that movie. Mm -hmm. And it breaks my heart because I think that's the best American horror film I've seen in Probably a year's time. I'm, not to distract from our sure. Netflix conversation, but Carol I Burnett. think... No, oh. no, I don't, no. I think that horror as a genre is on the rise. Like, I'm going to say, like, yes. platinum age. Like, not golden age, not silver age, platinum age wow. for horror. That, that is a bold statement. Uh, well, I, the thing I agree. Is because 70s horror movies... Be schlock, but like the the seeds of something. Well, also the seventies did also have prestige horror movies. Yeah, like things that were like art films. I mean, you've got like The Exorcist and Carrie and stuff yeah, like that. And 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 that's great, but like they're they're almost marred by their lack of equipment to tell these stories. Like, don't get me wrong. Like Carpenter's The Thing is in fucking credible. It's the best. Yes, but it. Looks like it was made in the seventies. Like there, but it are, was made in the eighties. It was made in the eighties. I don't know. 82? Uh, 82. 82. I mean, it, it same summer as ET. And got don't get me wrong. 80. Like I will always be practical effects all the way. Word. But even now, like you watch it with that lens of like, oh, this was latex and sour milk and all of these things. Like that's ridiculous. But there's there's something too dreadful that we do today. Mm that 
that I think has grown from the like the horror movies of the 70s and 80s and we've transcended like the 90s early 2000s like slasher horror porn like I have my my take on that though. But also I'm going to say like I hate horror movies. <laughs> and okay. but like like until now and there's something to watching horror movies today that I can get into that I could not well, Until this moment. I have my theory, for, and which is the thing that I think is both good and frustrates me. So I'm, I'm very mixed on it. That I think is the cause of what you're talking about. Please. Yeah. Please. Because we got to talk about the Blumhouse model. Because Blumhouse is now yes. like... And, and I, I say this as someone who just last night finished up a script for a Blumhouse sort of slight parody. Mm-hmm. You have to drink. Which means Rachel also has to drink. What? Oh, it's if you drink, he drinks. If he drinks, I drink. No. Nope. Okay. So, I bet I think I know what mine is, and that, that's okay. I'm just going to barrel on through. <laughs> because, is it if I talk about making a video? Yes. Yes, Patrick figured out a rule! Off the table! Off the table! table I just realized, bye. like, oh, wait, I know it. I can take it off the table. Okay, great. And now I can just keep talking. <laughs> so. Shit, I don't know what my rule Okay, so Blumhouse, obviously, they, they make everything. They've, got, they've gotten to the point where they're trying to make themselves tie back into today's theme a marvel because they mm. put the recent release Truth or Dare is <gasps> called Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. They are sticking their production company name in the title now because, like, look, they've got, like, The Purge is the biggest current horror franchise. Yeah. They had Get Out last year. They, like, they are killing it. They like, (laughs) 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 and but the thing is, the Blumhouse model is make a movie that costs barely anything, make movies for under ten million dollars, and because horror is consistently, you know, a genre that makes money, even if it just does okay by any other studio standards, it will be profitable. And and but that's the and so it's good because they make so many movies that some good horror movies come out of this, but it also means that every horror movie is pretty much going to cost like $5 million. Mm-hmm. And, and so it means that they don't have the budgets to make stuff with, with, with more spectacle or just like with, so for instance, something like an it last year is yes. like an anomaly. And I'm hoping that the six, the insane success of it leads to more, horror movies with decent budgets because right now there's a lot of horror movies and there's some good ones coming out but they are all super super cheap yeah yeah but i also think that it is this weird lightning in a bottle situation because it rides the the nostalgia machine as well like it's a it it yeah, is going tying to, it back to cobra kai right? yeah. it is a reboot of a kind yeah and i mean it, it's it's like you can't go wrong with the nostalgia machine. You can throw tons and tons of money it, at a well-known property. It's so now, bizarre to sometimes me. Sometimes it won't be good, right? But it's gonna make money. And it's so weird to me money. that part of what made it so successful was people who wanted to see it because they were fans of Stranger Things, which is basically so, just what? like you know a show that it, that would not exist if not for it. it yeah. That just riffs on it so what an, hard. What an Ouroboros of horror nostalgia 80s 90s 50s everything right that like thir- you- the 30 year cycle of a snake eating itself i know <laughs> <laughs> it's like pe- like people were stoked for the real thing because they got they were like fanatical about the knockoff mm-hmm. yeah totally it, and, and it is fascinating and in a weird way you have to wonder if the 
it's not just nostalgia, but now an archetype that we're excited to see play off of, right? We now have in like the American cultural lexicon so many properties that are about plucky kids yeah. getting in over their heads. And it does start with the 80s. But that's whether it's Goonies, E.T., It, now Stranger Things. Guys, the I'm, it ready for, I'm ready for 90s nostalgia to kick in. Well, we give it another 10 well, years. No, no, it, it's begun. Oh, yeah. has it? There was a Power Rangers movie last year. And that was garbage. But it, but it happened. I and liked it was, parts of that movie. I haven't, I haven't, so, li- I haven't okay, seen it. Okay, listen. My, God, I don't hate doing this. My partner is obsessed with. Power Rangers in a huge way. In, wait, in like a Super Sentai way? Is yes, that okay. Super Sentai? Awesome. Like he will constantly comment. To give you an example of of what we're dealing with, yes, please. We were walking to the movie theater to watch Infinity War again, um, and this little boy was wearing a Power Rangers shirt, and I think the Power Rangers was like, I don't know, but he starts singing the theme song from the Sentai version of the Power Rangers that were on the shirt. <laughs> I love, John, I love you so goddamn much. Like, you're my favorite human in all of the world. He's a nice guy. I, I, I met him a few days ago. He's, He's great. so sweet. He's so good. But it was just one of these moments. He starts singing in Japanese, and I'm like, that was the theme song to that show that that boy was wearing on his shirt. And he goes... It was, and I, and I died, and I was dead. So that's what I'm dealing with. But also, I've watched some of the Super Sentai yes. things, and and I, of course, was obsessed with Mighty Morphin. Like growing up, like that was my thing. It was the best. This movie, like this Power Rangers movie, and I know this like way too late, did not have enough fucking Power Rangers in it. But doesn't it have an opening scene involving jerking off a bull? It does, but that's not Power oh, Rangers. Right. <laughs> like I haven't seen it, but I know that about I it. Less, got that less bull jerking off. More please let these Power Rangers be fucking Power Rangers. I wanna <laughs> I wanna cut someone with a dull knife. I, I the only reason I brought Ugh. this up is to say that Worst. there was a blockbuster Power Rangers movie. We have we're entering the realm of nineties nostalgia. Yeah, like like, it's like true. infiltrating pop culture now. After eighties have dominated 80s nostalgia has dominated stuff for the past, like, 15 yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, the 30-year the thir- the cycle is a real thing. Yeah. You can watch it happen in film, in culture, in everything, in fashion. It's happening. Guys, we are moving. Bring back Jinkos now. Oh, yeah. no. It's Come on, sad. guys. I mean, it, it's true. And actually, to keep it moving forward in the week, there were a lot of 90s-influenced albums that came out this week to wrap the pop culture thing around. Mm-hmm. Certainly not the one by Ray Schremerd, although do check that out. That's a triple album, and it was fascinating. But there were records by a band called Middle Kids. This is a new band out of Australia. Go check that out. Frank Turner put out a very 90s record piece. They're always great. Mm. You're going to love it. Matt and Kim did their thing all over the place. Eternal Summers, Black Moth Super Rainbow, Belly, the famous 90s shoegaze band, put out their first record in 20-something years. When you said Belly, I thought you were referencing a character from uh, Hoonie Pop. Or the Drake co-signed rapper. There's a lot of bellies it could be. So many bellies. So many bellies. Bellies. Other pop culture stuff, more superhero trailers, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Teen Titans, Go. Also, Lapito. To the movies? To the movies. To the movies, excuse me. I keep seeing that poster, and I'm like... I hate this because I saw Teen Titans when it was gritty and real and they were dealing with stuff and it wasn't like this chibi you, you bullshit. You mean when it was Young Justice? 
word. Not when it was Young Justice, when it was Teen Titans. Oh, that... Like, just Teen Titans. The same characters, everything. The animation style was different. The content was different. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah. that one was so good. It was so good. It was so good. I can't with this, like... I've, like, never, I've never watched any of them. It's too bright and too and too weird, even for me. It's it literally features a character saying, you're going to annoy me to death with your dot, dot, dot waffles. There's definitely an ellipsis in the line reading. I will reading. say, I watched the trailer, and I chuckled at it. And Nicolas Cage is Superman, and that is enough to get me in the theater. <gasps> and if you don't know oh, why, no. you need to Google Nicolas Cage Superman, Superman and do a deep dive on that. Go at, in it. Look at that costume, guys. Oh, my God. And to keep deep diving the week... Was a fascinating week for Times Up. Good stuff and bad good. The mute R. Kelly movement. Also, Ashley Judd suing Harvey Weinstein for defamation. A lot of interesting podcasts about the potential Drink. legal. Is it anytime I mention a podcast? Mm-mm. Oh damn it! Is it if Scott, Scott says an interesting podcast? No. Oh shit! Um, bad things. The world of books in which. Juno Diaz turns out as an oh, asshole yeah. who tried to grope several women. Yeah, mm. him too. Hashtag him too. Uh, and the Nobel Prize in Literature is not being awarded this year due to a sexual scandal. I didn't even hear about that. Yeah, that's going down too. Also going down, Vulture releasing its super early best of lists. And because we have Avengers to talk, I'm just going to quickly move through Trump land, which in the spirit of the John Mulaney special, I'm going to call Horse in a Hospital Land, which if you don't know what that oh, means, I, go no. watch Kid Gorgeous. Yeah, I watched the beginning of Kid Gorgeous and I fell asleep. I huh. was thinking that I might do I it tonight. I was really into it. Uh, you're you're going to love it. He compares yeah. Trump to a horse in a hospital. Street and- smarts. It's <laughs> my favorite bit. We watched videos of him yeah. right after Kid Gorgeous. I didn't finish it, but like I remembered Street Smarts. It, and we watched, like, he's bananas. He's out of his mind. <laughs> it's I it's didn't a real think the detective. Real. There's a detective mentioned in the first 20 minutes of the special, and he's real. Yeah. Also, real things that happened. Uh, Kelly called Trump a moron. Giuliani claims Trump reimbursed Michael Cohen for the Stormy Daniels payment. That happened. Trump said Space Force. Ty Cobb is leaving the legal team. Mike Pence honored Joe Arapayo. Doctor's office was raided. Mueller questions the leak by the... Oh, the Mueller questions were leaked by the Times. There was also a fake Nobel nomination. And you know what? I could go into sports and how crazy what LeBron James is doing, but we're doing an NBA playoffs episode in two weeks. So I also think we can just say uh, politics were, were bad, and yeah. the, the news was continually distressing. Garbage. Just all around garbage. But and then if someone tries to speak out against it, they're called out for... Mentioning smoky eyes. <laughs> Drag him. Oh, man. But something that wasn't terrible. Fuck and something- you, Huckabee Sanders. <laughs> Fuck you into the grave. I think she's a, and a, your a bad... And She's like a bad person. And also... She's a bad person. She's bad at her job. And I would... There are a few people I would less like to hang out with. And, and, but I will say, smoky eye on point. And and you know what? I just... I also want to... I want to... If we're going to get into the Correspondence Center even for a second... I want to mention this. There is a book that is called Too Fat, Too Slutty, Too Loud. It's an incredible book about unruly women that push at the boundaries of society and how we take unruly women and judge them way more quickly than we would women who fit the mold. And if you don't think Michelle Wolf was being unruly in that moment and that some of the judgment is about that, 
I'm sorry, we maybe can't have a conversation because... You won't be on the show. Oh, will, no. Well, actually, I, if, I will invite you on the show because we will talk about that. Oh, yeah, that. if a man had said all of the things that Michelle Wolf said at the any correspondence of those center, like, all of them, any of them, word for fucking word, it would have been, oh, he's a comedian, no, 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 it's funny when a man, because women aren't funny. I'm mad. <laughs> fucking <laughs> mad about it. I love it. But I'm going to be the balm, the healing tonic to your anger right Thank now. Because we're going to go to a universe where women are allowed to be the heroes that they are. And they can have blue blood and their hair color can change without can anyone talking robot. about it. That's, that's right. We're going to Wakanda. We're going to nowhere. Drink. We are drinking. And that means that Patrick needs to drink. What the fuck? <laughs> I didn't do anything to deserve this. this I'm just here. This is my favorite is, rule is ever. Is it if I look at you when you drink? No. Is it if Rachel makes you drink, then I have to drink? No. What is happening? What is happening is it's time for the Avengers to assemble because we're going deep. But then they all die. Infinity War. Spoiler, they all die. Oh, you're all screwed now, because we're doing spoilers and deep dives on this I'm movie. I'm so into it. And we've re-listened, all of us, to last week's episode. We did, so, so we're not going to repeat our talking points. Yeah, we're I scratched get- out all the notes that actually were touched on, except I will repeat Iron Bruce's Bay, Thor with Hammer is Daddy, because that's important. Both of those things But you should have gone for the head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh. God, that moment. Uh... And Scott and I both rewatched this movie today. I rewatched it yesterday. Um, and here's the remarkable thing. Uh, still Not, good. It's still good. It's still good. It is remarkable how much better it is on a second viewing. <gasps> I <gasps> I liked it a little things. bit less. Really? Interesting. Yes. Please go in on go. that. Go. Yes, go. Do boop. Okay. I I still like the movie uh-huh. a lot. So last week, I talked about how I enjoy all the Marvel movies. Yes. But how I'm not fanatical about them. Right. Yes. And I've been thinking about that a lot. And I've been thinking a lot about the the limitations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because, for instance, I, again, I enjoy all these movies, but none of them I would rank up there with my favorite superhero films. I don't think... They've, they have not produced anything for me on the level of a Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. which is, for me, the very, best very superhero movie. Good. And what I have been wondering about is if, with the model they've designed, if it is possible for them to make something like a Spider-Man 2. You have to drink twice. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, that rule just kicked in. <laughs> I, I could not imagine what this is. Nope. It, um, but I do. I am realizing now that it might be an issue in terms of the the drinking rules. That I saw Scott last Thursday, yes, and we did talk a bit about this. So he probably has an idea of things that I'm going to. I was going to be bringing up. It might not be you specific. Okay. Well, I'm just going to keep on going. Keep trucking. So I think, as much as I enjoy the MCU and I enjoy all these movies, mm-hmm. I think 
the big issue that I'm wondering if they can move past, and yeah. I, I think is has been a necessity of them building to what they have built to, is that there ha- is a slight like homogeneity to the movies in hmm. the sense in mm. in the sense that I mean there is a, a consistent like visual style. I'm the guy that made the video about their color grading, and that's all consistent through all the movies. And they have like the same like post production pipeline through all the movies, but and. I have to, again, like last episode, bring up the comparison to the Harry Potter films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the Harry Potter movies, there were eight of them. Seven of them are written by the same guy. Yeah. And the fifth onward are all directed by the same guy. And the guy who directed those last four Harry Potter movies came from the world of TV. The Marvel, uh, for Marvel, their go-to writers for many, for all the Captain America movies and now the third and upcoming fourth Avengers movies same writers, and the Russos have become their go-to directors, mm-hmm. coming from the world of TV. And they have this sort of effective, like, inoffensive style mm-hmm. that I think it, they've essentially figured out how to make the most appealing, effective, efficient movies. Yeah. But there is not the the person like, the directorial stamp, our personal statement, or, or even our real strong visual style that you, I think you get from the best comic book movies that you get from like Sam Raimi doing Spider-Man mm-hmm. or, or Christopher Nolan or even Tim Burton. What? I have to drink? Yeah. Okay. If, 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 if I bring up Spider-Man Mm-mm. too? Nope. Is it if you, he talks about Spider-Man? Directors? No. If I bring up the Raimi movies? No. And actually you have to drink once and I have to drink twice. Oh, fun. Okay. I love it. I don't even want to find out the rules anymore. I'm very curious because I've been getting hit a lot lately while on this long rant. But so essentially, I think they figure out how to do something that's that's really effective. Mm -hmm. But in the way that, you know, I, I was saying that for me, these movies are sort of secondary to the comics. Yeah, sorry. I thought I was, gonna to, I was ready for you having to drink. If I like, yeah. I, I was thinking if, if you say like Patrick brings up the comics, he has to drink. Listen, I'll say just barrel in fearlessly. Like I'm, I'm, if we're wasted by the end, we nailed it. Also, like, it's just beer this time. It's not whiskey. Yeah, it's not a, as there is a bottle of whiskey over there in case we run out of I'm, beer. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for it. But essentially, yeah. so in the way. That, the comics are the product of, you know, generally a writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then one or more artists. But yeah. it's usually and a letterer. What's up, Corey letter- Pettit? I love you. He Yo. does good work. I know him. He does yeah. fit. You know Corey Pettit? Yeah. That's cool. I, 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 I get nerdy about lettering. Yeah. And, no, uh, he's great. He he actually took me, not to, I'm sorry to derail you. He took me to the, the, rails for the, a second. Uh, the Guardians premiere with Marvel for our birthdays because oh, he's an, cool. he's a Leo baby and I'm a Leo baby. That's yeah. awesome. Sorry, like just no, you, that's amazing. Like, wait, what, wait, did he did he letter this? I don't know. Sorry, guys, uh, I've got right here the uh, the recently released from this past week, uh, Avengers number one, uh, the new series written by Jason Aaron, drawn by Ed McGinnis, and I'm just uh, being a nerd and looking up the credits. I don't know. In it. He may. He no, may. he he lettered it. <gasps> Corey Pettit. There he yeah! is. He, so, so I uh, love him. Rachel knows the letterer on the brand new Avengers series from Marvel, I which him. I am very excited about. I love but essentially, him. with the comics, he's like one of the best humans I know. That's, like, that's great to hear across the board. Comics just, like, people top to bottom are, are very consistently good. love him. I know him through the burlesque scene, so like huh, I love the inc- hell out of him. Not a crossover I would have anticipated. Yeah, no, he's fucking rad as hell. I mean, I will say, like to your point about the the safe. Bet and it leads back into the discussion we had 
last week about our our very esoteric things are now mainstream. Right. And it's yeah. because they've been packaged in a way that anyone can get at. Like, it's a very, like, common denominator. Like, that's what... But, I mean, that's what studios want to do. And, I mean, you have to... And I don't say you have to forgive studios, but you have to understand studios. And fuck capitalism. Okay, I'm going to say it. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> And this is capitalism at work. Like, you're making a product. You want to make money on your product, obviously. Yes. And this, is, and this is not me excusing the Marvel Universe for it, but it's, I guess, playing devil's advocate on it, where I understand that packaging a product in the same way again and again is not great, but also that's McDonald's. And I... Again, I say this as someone who likes all these movies. Yeah. Right. So this is not, essentially, this is not a big, so much a a giant complaint I have. It's just me wondering if, because the way these movies are designed to fit into this overall thing, to be part of this this big ongoing story, and especially, uh, you know, and and, and being, uh, you know, translating comic book storytelling to feature films, if there's a way with these Marvel movies for... A singular, and I, I feel like people, some maybe like Ryan Coogler came. Ryan Coogler and James Gunn have probably come the closest. Yeah. James Gunn was the only person who got who got Marvel to let him shoot on a different camera hmm. in the past decade. Yeah, they've been. I mean, they do the, the same kind of like that. They use the same stuff every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. It I'm, reminds me of like any company that's like, well, we already got the cameras. Let's just use those cameras. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Like they're operating like a company that's broke all the time. Yeah. But they're not. Like They have the most money. They have so much. They got that Disney money. Right. And so, and, and you know, while I was watching the movie today, I was thinking about how this compares to other, I, I think like really significant like blockbuster franchise movies. Yeah. And I was thinking of in the past let's say 20 years, what mm-hmm. I would consider the standout, like, franchise, like, blockbuster movies. And I would put up there, you know, like... And all of them, and I think what separates them is usually a really strong directorial vision and also a really strong visual style mm-hmm. that will create iconic images. And while I think Infinity War is a well-shot movie, mm-hmm. it, all, it all looks good. Yeah. It, you know, when I'm putting it up against, like, Peter Jackson's original Lord of the Rings trilogy, or, like, Raimi's Spider-Man 2, or, like... You have to drink and I have to drink. Okay. And uh, it's it's that Spider-Man well, 2 that keeps... Well, it's, it's definitely You that. have to drink and now, and Rachel has to God drink. damn it. I wasn't even paying attention. I was about to say words. I think what is at the heart of it is the death of the Artur. Like, that yeah. is exactly what's happening. Like, mm, without right. question. The fact that, like, Sony isn't backing Artur's anymore. Like, everything... Weirdly, uh, Warner Brothers kind of is. It's... it's Yeah, so? sort of. Because that's kind of what they're going... I mean, while it hasn't been... Like, a lot of it hasn't really worked, that's kind of what they've tried to make their DC Universe thing. Mm-hmm. Being like, we, you know, and it works out with like Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman. And I'm very curious about James Wan's Aquaman. Yeah. But uh, but they've been trying to be like, no, we like take the filmmakers more seriously and trust their visions more mm-hmm. than making it a homogenous thing that all seems the same. Yeah. And I, I do appreciate that portion of the DCEU that I can just watch Wonder Woman and go, I don't need anything else. Like, 
like Wonder Woman stands on its own. It references nothing. It means its own thing. And that's very appreciated because to me, with my background being a woman, uh, <laughs> like Wonder Woman meant something to me in yeah. a way. And and it, I think it forever will. Like it's the encapsulation of trusting women and like letting their vision flow and having this strong woman lead a thing. And I know it's a like a weird fish out of water movie. I get it. But I do appreciate that while one movie in the DCEU won't fit my style, there might be something else that does. And it's a, and both Marvel and DC are rocking this very like interesting aesthetic like Marvel wants you to like everything and DC like I doesn't care. And sometimes that feels mean. <laughs> Because then they make Suicide Squad, and that's just garbage. Still, <sighs> the worst film I've seen in theaters in the past three years. Rage quit say. that movie so many times, and guys, I streamed it. Like, I didn't even give this thing money, because I was like, I just, I need to know. And I, I like, I'm so glad, because it would have been one of those movies I would have walked out of, and I wouldn't have seen the whole thing. The important thing is that... I already had a movie pass account when that movie was in theaters. There you go. I wish and I had. Like so I didn't Listen, really have Suicide to Squad, money. do you want me to give you five dollars? Because I will, okay? Like I'll do it. I'll just give you five fucking dollars. And what I'll, I hate is I'm still gonna be there in theaters for the, the sequel. Of course you will. Of course we all will I mean. No, Gav, I won't. I Gavin won't. O'Connor I didn't see Justice it. League, so I did I, not, will I, not, cannot, won't. I had your experience with Justice League where I stopped 40 minutes in. Nope. And to be clear, I stopped 40 minutes in twice over two flights on American Airlines. It was one of the available <laughs> to stream movies. And I gave it 20 <laughs> minutes on one flight nope. and was like, pass. Boop. The second flight yeah. I was tired and went, let's keep going. And then Joe Morton was looking sad as Cyborg's dad. And there was no dramatic <gasps> tension in the scene. And I went... Motherfucking pass. I was out. Guys, I saw it opening night in <laughs> IMAX so at bad. Lincoln Square, Ugh. and I was so happy at the end because I was like, I didn't hate it. I get that. I get how it's not hateable. It's funny. I think if I'd been in the theaters and I'd watched it straight through, I wouldn't have hated it. But with a pause button five oh, seconds yeah. from my face, yeah. I was like, I'm. I mean, the, the, I can't having do this. like suffered through like you know BVS in theaters and oh, stuff like that, sure. which just made me relentlessly angry and depressed throughout. I was like, this is not offending me. I'm watching a, a Zack Snyder DC movie and I'm not hating it. This oh is my a god, new that's experience. What, that's what cult members say about their cult leader. Yep, that's how it feels. Well, and and, and to the to, this was the thing I thought while watching the movie today. Yeah, we, should be, we should be talking about Infinity yeah, War. Yeah, let's not, well, well, Infinity War. Well, this is, um, this is, I, I did it. I I know I did it. I was bringing no, up it, it comparisons. Was, this is what happens when we have crazy <sighs> drinking rules and we're on a podcast. But here's here's one of the things I was thinking watching it today. Really, two of the things. Mm-hmm. One of them is that. Those DC movies really save for Wonder Woman, lack for what I would call grace notes, which is those little small things you catch on second or third viewing that are really lovely and are really well thought out, but have more to do with personal touches in the writing or the filmmaking than they do the story itself. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think of this film as being an auteur film at all. And, and I mean, like, like the, the Russos have made a lot of stuff that I like, and yet I could not tell you what distinguishes them as filmmakers. 100% agree. And I guess what maybe distinguishes them for me is some of these small little touches, which actually have very little to do with filmmaking, like the bubbles 
coming back. <laughs> I don't know if bubbles. you guys, if you guys, yes, the, the, the two uses of the bubbles. I, the I, bubbles, I love the bubbles. Like, Actually, and I, now that you've it, said that, it I, almost I, feels like bubbles were an important part of the relationship between Gamora and Thanos. I, I can see that, yeah. and I realize, yeah. Scott, what you're saying, I think you've latched onto an articulation of a thing that I've been trying to articulate, which is so. You know, in, in terms of like me saying that this movie, while I think it's 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 good and, yeah. it's, and it's effective, and I I would put it in like the B tier of of twenty first century blockbusters, yes. mm-hmm. not the A tier, and I think it's great at the grace notes, and this goes for a lot of of the MCU movies, and I think what it lacks is like is the iconography mm. aspect of of the best of these movies, and while the DC movies, like Zack Snyder, is really good at visualizing iconography yeah. but it has no meaning and then there aren't the grace notes and so they're going for the iconography really really they big pretty right but, but, but they be like, pretty do as little as possible pretty but also like they have these shots that should have meaning but Snyder isn't really good at putting meaning in there but the, but they get in the same way that you look at like the last shot of the 89 Batman movie mm-hmm. yes. like him in silhouette looking up the bat signal you have these iconic images like that and the DC movies are like chasing those because Zack Snyder is a great visual stylist, just not a good storyteller. Yeah. And the Marvel movies, they're really good at the grace notes, but they, a, a thing that I do think holds them back a little bit is the uh, the lack of the real like iconic imagery. And yeah, and but the thing is, at the end of the day, like my eyes aren't gonna remember as much as my heart is gonna right. remember. Interesting. And what's interesting going back and rewatching the film were the the moments that I missed in my first viewing that I caught on to visually because I I I took this movie in with, like, my heart. And then other things started falling into place. And I think... And this is just the way my memory works. Like, sure. I'm, a, I'm an emotional, like, person who remembers, like, things that made me feel something more than, like, perfect details. Uh, which is which is why I definitely was the one who was like, I'm going to take notes because otherwise I'll <laughs> forget. I'll just be like, I love it. I tore so many I notes this time. Yeah. For our listeners, Rachel does have a notebook here with several pages ripped out yeah. so she can read all of them at once. It's true. One of them says, did Peter Parker have a snap bracelet? What was happening? Wait, did, wait, I didn't catch that. His his little like iron, not his iron. Oh, oh, his like what, like sort of web his shooter. Little, his, the web shooter is a snap bracelet. That's great. Um, That's great. Yeah, it's, it's notes. Um, <laughs> but like someone who takes in things, not necessarily visually but emotionally, this movie works for me, and in in like a crazy way because I think it's 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 afforded the heartstring moments that. Oh yeah. That matter so much, uh, you know, like the uh, the the bear moon man tweet earlier today uh, or yesterday uh, I, about Groot. Yeah, I'm gonna bring it to that wait, emotional wait, level. Wait, the, the there was a Twitter account at, at I think it's at I don't know at this. Moon Bear. Oh, sorry. I thought you were getting around one of like Scott's drinking. I thought you were trying to get around one of my rules. No, 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 no. I just oh, could, I honestly could not uh, remember uh, the Twitter also, handle. You. I will drink. Uh, you have to drink, and I have to drink. I'll drink. Uh, not me. But there was a Twitter account. I yeah. believe it was at Moon Bear Man. Okay. Who tweeted at James Gunn? Yeah. Asking, I don't know if this is too soon. What were Groot's last words in the movie? 
meaning right before Groot gets dusted, he says, I am Groot, as he does. But, like, that means things. Like, people can speak Grootese or yes. however. Seemingly everybody. Well, okay, Yeah, it, everybody it, it, can it, understand. All the Guardians plus Thor because it was an elective on Asgard. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just amazing. Also, I'm so glad that it's just, like, that's Grootese and it's not, like, a degenerative disorder. It's, it's delightful. It's very good. Um, but James Gunn tweeted back at this account and said, oh, yeah, he said, Dad? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, to Rocket. Oh, my. Oh, to, oh to Rocket. My. Remember, they're, at the, they're in the forest on the log, and Groot is getting dusted, and he goes, I am Groot, and it's Dad. In a movie about fathers in Dad? no small way. Fuck like, me, Like, he's reaching good. to his father <sighs> before he gets dusted. I mean, shit, even, like, Peter Parker in his small way. Mr. Stark... Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. Just these emotional moments yeah. are so powerful that I will always be one to forgive visual style for emotional depth. Well, and, and, here's, and here's an interesting thing I'm now thinking, hearing both of you bring this up, because one of the things that I wanted to build off of from last week and that's been sticking with me and this is not the smoothest transition, but fuck it. Is it's your podcast. Do whatever. Yeah. yeah. Live your life. Yeah, yeah. I'll run this podcast. Is why is the ending the thing that has pop culture cachet this week? Because, you know, the idea of this podcast is supposedly to tackle the main pop culture item of the week mm-hmm. on any given week. And we finished the first episode, and we're really excited to do a second one in part because we felt we'd only scratched the surface. But yeah. you know what happened? This is still the big ticket item yeah. a week later. And it seems like what most people are writing about is that ending. And mm-hmm. here was... I can tell you my theory about it. Please do. Actually, yeah, go for it. Okay, so before this movie... So everyone knew going to this movie that people were going to die. Yes. Because like everyone involved had been like, no, people actually die in this one. Like, yeah. And mm-hmm. so everyone's going in and, you know... In the email thread for us scheduling the recording of this podcast, people, you know, Scott in there, what, what, were you like, Cap's going to die? I, yeah, no, we, I, we I had was, a, I was a Tony. little Deadpool. I guessed Tony, and then I actually said someone spoiled it for me, and they did. <gasps> who? I'm, I can't say who because well, what I'm they, afraid. What they do? They, they, they basically Facebooked in a comment. It's event Infinity War. Everybody dies, and they work in the film industry. Well, did you mm. see the clip uh, of, that that kind of went the Mark viral? Mark Ruffalo clip. Yeah. Oh Mark Ruffalo just, just accidentally spoiled the ending <laughs> on like a Good Morning America interview a year ago. He did, but and then and everyone kind of just like played it off as a joke, and then mm-hmm. it was like, oh no, wait, he just he. Did. And then if you look at it at it now, the context is totally different, and you can see he's like actually ashamed. He's beat red. Yeah, but but so so. I think what happened was everyone's going and being like expecting a big heroic death with like Cap or with Tony, mm-hmm. one of those things, and no one accounted for maybe they're just gonna wipe out half the characters. And I think we were prepared for a big, grand, classical heroic death, mm-hmm. and didn't get that. And it was both, uh, in, it, like it was emotional, but it was, uh, I, I guess, less traditional. And more widespread than anyone accounted for. Yeah, it was it was a it was a genocide when yeah. people were thinking Leo DiCaprio and Titanic, like right. Romeo and Juliet, two very powerful. Leo again. In, Leo again. <laughs> I know it's forever, Leo. Uh, and 
And this is an important question. Like, when when do filmmakers present trigger warnings without spoiling the film? Because I have a dear friend who whose opinion I respect. Like, they have they have a doctorate. They're like incredible. Like, just top to bottom, they make great art. They're super smart. They believe that this movie is irresponsible. For, for his presentation of death? For the systematic wiping out of characters and the the presentation of Thor as this deus ex machina in, a, in an African country and the fact that this African country bowed to the will of a white woman crying over her boyfriend. These are a lot of, like... Like marginal quotes that I'm taking I, from the criticism. I've also seen people complain that, like, you know, and the, they, and the toxic masculinity in, and in an African country, and that's kind of shrugged off. And, and and it's it's so fascinating. Wait, what aspect of uh, toxic masculinity? I, I'm sure a it's different. In there. A different critic brought up toxic masculinity, and I really was didn't it, get it further into Star Lord. By the way, you I, have to drink, and I have to drink. I mean, it was a lot just from. I know a lot of very too loud, too fat, too bold women, and I love them and I respect their opinion, which is why I want to talk about that aspect in a very respectful way. Of course. Like, absolutely. Like, I don't want to ever come at this and be like, you're wrong, here's why. I want to be like, I want to see this movie through your eyes. So when I went to watch this movie this time, I watched it through those eyes and I tried to, like, think about those things. And frankly, I didn't see it. And if I could speak to the the, the the napalm in Africa moment a little bit, because I didn't read it that way, and maybe I'm missing something, but something that did occur to me on this viewing that I think potentially connects for that and to me made this more of an act of responsible filmmaking, where the theme of genocide is concerned. And this ties a little bit to your point about the ending, and then I want to get back to this trigger warning thing, yeah. too. I think I can thread that needle. And we got less than 20 minutes left. we got left. less than 20 minutes left, but I can do this, baby. So here's the thing that jumped out at me this time. I thought there were a lot of visual and emotional illusions, emotional illusions to genocide's past mm-hmm. you have and they, they do put the red skull in there they put the red skull in there and beyond putting the red skull in there there's the scene on Gamora's planet where the people ostensibly find themselves in the Sophie's Choice the concentration camps where some people are spared and some people are spent instantaneously to death it reminded me of work camp versus concentration camp mm-hmm. um, beyond that uh, the dust was another one the dust reminded me very much of 9-11 in the sense that we, there was ash pouring down, you could have had them get eradicated in any way. Anyway, they could have they could it, have actually, just it, faded well, a la Back funny. to the Future. It reminded me, like the immediate thing that I thought of was the 2005 Spielberg War of the Worlds, where people get blasted by the aliens and get turned into dust. Mm. But uh, there, it's like straight up dust that then like covers Tom Cruise's face, and that that was the f- the first big blockbuster to immediately deal with my yeah. yes. And when I think of the bombs dropping, I thought one of the things that this film threads through is images of destruction and destruction that we identify with culturally across the board. Whether you are a Black American, whether you are not an American, and someone who is. Uh, living in Japan has grown up in the shadow of Hiroshima and or is living in Germany as a Jew now that there are images that you can take away from this film that tie to real world genocide and I thought that that was 
responsible filmmaking in the sense of you may not be making a direct political illusion, mm-hmm. but there are emotional hooks beyond the fantastical here that layer it as a very personal thing because, and this gets to what, what kind of, Patrick, you were talking about with the ending that really hit me very, very hard. So, and I'm wondering if it deals with the homogeny thing you were talking about too. I, so, I, I, one super quick thing. Yes, please. I want to say, you, you mentioned that it, there are the visual connections or similarities to these real world genocides, yeah. but it also manages to do that without getting as overt as like the third act of Man of Steel, where it's just straight up 9 yeah. 11. Yeah. And it is just buildings toppling and people being covered in rubble, yes. and trapped underneath rubble. Because that's a movie that gets that uh, gets into it too directly, yes. I think, to its detriment. And this movie manages to. To, to, like, allude to it without confronting people directly with those things. Absolutely. And, and Rachel, to your point about trigger warnings, it doesn't go to 13 Reasons Why places either, which I have already taken a shit on by praising Cobra Kai, but where there was that, uh, spoiler, there's a s- act of suicide in the final episode. And there's been a lot of debate on whether that show was responsible in portraying it to the graphic way that they did or whether that was irresponsible and now they've added trigger warnings. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a conversation that, I, that I, I want to be not just like a party to but someone who's listening in on it. Absolutely. Because, because I mean, there is that moment where we've been given an expectation yes. with Marvel movies that death is meaningless, that good always wins, Mm -hmm. that... They're superhero comics. Yeah, that a plucky attitude will see the day through. Like, as long as you hold on to hope, it's it's the botched message of The Last Jedi. I strongly disagree with that. (laughs) That is a better movie than Infinity War. Just going to put that on the record there. Last Jedi? Oh, my God. It's way better than Infinity War, like in every way. Really? My oh, God, yes. We are gonna, we're going to discuss so this all So much better. I enjoyed Infinity War a lot, but Last Jedi, I think, is a masterpiece. Mm, disagreement. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, then I'll... And that's a movie uh, with a strong uh, autorial statement. That is the work of a person with a vision, which is the thing that Infinity War can't have. But this I, is a I top, feel like I'm I'm I, having we, a discussion with the more film a, like a tour version of my partner. Um, <laughs> but the sorry, sorry. Go, I love it. Back to what you were saying. But like the, I think that Avengers has an important message for today, and while it comes from a genre that we did not expect it from at fucking all, and I think it's it's partly irresponsible. But I understand this sentiment because superhero movies are a certain way when you watch them. They, they are uh, good guys win, bad guys lose across the board, even to the point that good guys are fleshed out and bad guys are not. And this one did this thing that we're going through. As Americans, like... Yes, no, I agree. In a, in a major way where the good guys not only didn't win, but maybe didn't exist in the first place. Like, it's one of those weird moments where, yes, this, this concept would be triggering because we're trying to, like, 
1984 flood to our media as solace, as safe spaces to feel good. And then this dopamine rush didn't happen in the way that you expect Marvel movies to do for you. Like self-medicating with Marvel is a thing that like I'm fully aware about. And then it didn't, it didn't provide that medication that people want. And not to say that people are trying to like hide from their problems, but when you have created an empire that is funded by Disney based on drawn funny pictures of people punching other people, like it's strange. And it's, it's a question of when, when and how do we put trigger warnings on pieces of art that are defying what the art is, that are going beyond good guys win, bad guys lose, and suddenly it's like, no, sometimes good guys lose. And like you don't want to tell people that without spoiling the plot. Like, right. How do we do that? And I'm not the person, and we're not the people, but it's well, such a thing. And, and to your point, and, and I'll even try to take it one step Farther, part of what broke my heart about this as I was watching it today, everything you said I agree with. It's We don't expect this from a Marvel property. We don't expect this from our superhero stories, period. But we don't expect it from the hero's narrative, period, either. And one of the things that was I was thinking is, why is this ending so shocking? Well, we don't expect it from superhero stories. Mm-hmm. It's not in the Campbell mythology. Nope. What we expect is heroes to die a hero's... Death. Death. Right. Or be surprised. Literally the word casualty, which typically refers to armed forces. And superheroes are forces that arm themselves against an evil. And they are sacrificed or lost in battle. And sacrifice, of course, is a huge theme of this movie. Yeah. And the first three or four deaths, all acts of sacrifice. Right? Whether it's the robot, whether it's Hi, Gamora. Uh, you have to drink and I have to drink. Not me. <laughs> Whether it's any of, any of those characters, there is an element of sacrifice. And even though it's tragic, it completes the narrative in a way we understand. That has been set up for us culturally, whether we are Americans, whether we... Uh, you know, I mean, Gilgamesh, that's in the themes yeah. of Gilgamesh. Uh, most cultural narrative hero figures, Greek myth, have some element of that together. And one of the things that caught up with me on the second viewing was all the characters saying things like, we should have stayed in bed or we shouldn't have left the bus. That's what Vision and uh, Scarlet Witch say and Spider-Man say, shit, mm-hmm. I have to drink twice, which means you have to drink and you have to drink. Damn it. Yep. This is the you, fucking worst. It's an doing? awful rule. Um, is, so, is it anytime anyone says Spider-Man? Not any, no, but now you have to drink and I have to drink. Shit. So, they, I, like, I'm, I'm doing this like... <laughs> Like Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover, <laughs> like trying to count cards thing. Wait, can I, Scott, do you have a point you want to finish? Because I have a thing that like builds on. How in the hell are they going to do the Ant-Man and the Wasp well, in this well, okay, post-Marvel so, so universe? I'll, I'll fin- I'm just going to yell the things that I wrote down because <laughs> now... Well, uh, guys, I have a giant question that I yes. want to ask both of you. Is this a movie? Let me quantify that please question. Please do. Okay. Okay, because this is a feature film. Yes. That obviously has no real ending. And so is basically half of a big movie. Mm-hmm. But that also you need to come in with sign- 
significant knowledge of several other ongoing series to really have an understanding of what is going on. And so I feel like this is the first time in film history that there is what is essentially amounts to like a TV season finale being released as a movie. This is a conversation that I've been having a lot with people that the MCU would be so much more effective and so much better if it were a television series. Well, it's based on serialized storytelling that are released monthly and have been for years. And so that's what's fascinating to me about the whole MCU in that they're translating a storytelling style and medium that exists in like regularly released installments that week that, to week where you, to week where you to can week. tell a story over years mm-hmm. and they're turning this into something that it, where it's like, okay, there's going to be like a new Captain America movie. It'll be like two hours and 20 minutes long. And it'll come out every two or three years. years. And yeah. so they're very different models. And I really enjoyed this because I, we, all of us have the backstory and we've seen all the, the prior films, Yes, but yeah, like, what, by traditional standards, what sort of movie is this? And it really isn't. It's it's non-traditional, yeah. top to bottom. Like it, My complaint about it last week was that I wish it had had a more traditional opening. I didn't feel that this time, but it's only because I was familiar with the movie. Mm-hmm. I also, right? w- speaking of the opening, because I, w- I was thinking on my second viewing, again, with sort of my... My, my kind of general, like, mild-ish complaints, while I still yeah. really like the movie, about how I think I would have opened it. And, uh, and I, I mean, I would, okay, you guys, you know how Batman Returns opens? Yes. With that, sort of that, like, wordless prologue of, like, the penguin's birth? Yes. Uh-huh. I would have gone, because I would have, I, I wish the movie had played up its operatic nature a little bit more, mm-hmm. and opened with sort of a prologue to give you a little bit of, th- maybe without even any dialogue, just Thanos's backstory because his the whole thing with his birth and him being raised on his planet in the comics is really fascinating mm-hmm. and I think would also like the worship of Lady Death is such an interesting concept that I, I'm I, sad that they I love that but I don't it. mind that that's not in there because get, it's, yeah. all, it's a lot to put but in but also I just want to see Lady Death on oh, the screen she, just like, not talking to anybody <laughs> and just turning away from Thanos but uh, <laughs> but I think he I give, giving it. it this this sort of almost just like you know, just with no dialogue, just, you know, sweeping musical score, a bit, you know, this, uh, just... A la Return of the King with uh, Gollum. Yeah, just, yeah, just like this little prologue of, like, where this guy began. It was like the the, the very big, it felt like his his quest began pretty much from birth. This has been going on for so long, and I think, like, that would have, that's how I would have opened it. Mm -hmm. And there's certainly an argument that it's his movie, too. No, it's definitely his movie. Like, the fact that we have have carte blanche into his psyche so much, he's weirdly the protagonist of this movie because he gets insight that no other characters get in this movie. I also want to say... I think is crazy. uh, So a friend of mine uh, is a guy who actually writes the Thanos comic series for Marvel, Donnie Cates. And his big Thanos story is called Thanos Wins. Oh, no. he he was so elated at the end of this movie because he was like, (laughs) my boy just won. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Dude, Donnie Cates is writing everything too. I've known him for a year. I did Actually, I directed a trailer for a comic series he did last year. Nice. And uh, he's a great guy. Well, yeah. and, and to tie that together to the Thanos thing, and this is the thing that 
I'm gonna try to make like a sweeping point that like incorporates everything you guys have talked about mm-hmm. in my attempt to. We got into this. We got into bit. this, and I love it. And and, he, but, and he, but still, we haven't finished. No, we really this part spin-off, three. This, <laughs> this, the trilogy. This spinoff podcast is happening at the very least. Drink everyone. Oh man, is it anytime someone says the word P with other things after it? Nope. No, shoot. Yeah. But because uh, we all I, drank, wait, we all I have, have a, wait. I have an important question. Yeah. Is Captain Marvel's origin movie gonna be ruined because it is f- so much lore coming off of it? Because if that's the case, I am gonna be so mad because Captain Marvel's my favorite. Also, it's set in the 90s, 90s soundtrack coming, coming back, back guys. Y'all. I can't uh, wait for that soundtrack. Oh, let's go. That uh, better be lit as shit. Like, I. We we have to go media res so far back because I I can't watch anyone get dusted in Captain Marvel's origin movie. I will not stand so, for it. So here and this and this actually ties to it. So here's the here's the end the of my reason. notes. So here. <laughs> oh wait. Also, I had Groot can lift Thor's hammer. What? But very but important. Was it also, you a have hammer to drink, and now I have to drink. If there wasn't a handle yet, did not become a hammer until. But he- Groot made the handle. He did. Wow, wow. Think about wow. think about Oh the my lo- god. Oh my you just broke my brain. Yeah, yeah, think about it. Think about it. And then and then All someone and then, like and, then so, and then someone was like, Yeah, but like we didn't establish that this new hammer would obey the same rules of Mjolnir. And I was like, No, we did, because Thor said to the Guardians, You can't have any of the weapons made on this planet yep. because it will break your mind and break your body. But then Groot lifted that thing that was made, the Stormbreaker or whatever it was called. I've been drinking and it blew my mind. And this means that the actual plot of what I put Groot is gonna be Thor! What I propose will be called in either I think it'll be called It's gonna be called Thorn. It's going to be called Infinity Crusade, the next one, and it's going to be all about re- <laughs> growing a new Groot because he is is also worthy, and th- and they'll make another hammer, and it'll be it'll be Thor and Groot, and they're going to stop Thanos together, and then I don't know, Cap will die because Chris Evans' contract is ending. First off, we all have to drink four times. I'm running out of beer. <laughs> you take the rest of it. I'll hit the whiskey. And while you guys do that, I will I will attempt to blow everyone's brain. Do it. So here's. If I have been listening to the podcast we've been recording, here are some of the things that have come up. Trigger warnings about sensitive material, the homogenized appearance of these movies. Is this a movie? How is and it too ending? safe and not safe enough? So here, I will try to hit that all four That is the of, great, the grand question of Infinity War. And I will try to hit all four of those in one fell swoop. Oh boy, as we, as the white towards, boy's gonna tell us how to do oh it. Oh God. Oh, I'm drinking now! So just everything makes me angry all the time. Oh man, apologies for being it's white. Got no fast and and no, it's shit. fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. So, just, like, so just don't just don't send me dick pics. That's all, that's my a, dudes. Like it's I'm not fine. even on airdrop. It's fine. So, so. Oh, those are my drinking. Here's drinks. the thing. Hold on, hold on. The homogeny, the homogeny of these movies tricks you into a certain expectation, as does the rules for superhero films, as does the hero narrative, where we expect that sacrifice, as I was talking about, where we expect the comfort of, at bare minimum, a hero's death or the hero winning the day. What's particularly terrifying about this is that not only do we not get that, we get an ordinary death. When Thanos snaps his fingers, it's not that he's eliminated half the universe. It's that he's actually left it up to fate. He does not pick 
who dies on Earth. He yep. does not pick who dies on Titan. People just die. And what heroes are not supposed to do is just die. die. That's the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Why Vision and Scarlet Witch are extraordinary is because they don't stay in bed like they talk about. They get out of bed and they confront it. Spider-Man leaves the bus. Mm-hmm. But what we see is them do that and die an ordinary death anyway. anyway. They are all of us. They are rendered ordinary. They are victims of a genocide as much as they are people who simply live their lives. And we mm-hmm. don't see extraordinary people live their lives and just die. Die. There's nothing to prepare us for that. And so what's remarkable about this ending is within that homogeny that we're talking about, we get stuck with this ending for a year at least. I love that, And this is one of the only global languages we speak as humans right now. There is a stronger chance that you can identify about... infinity war with someone else than politics then you could talk about infinity war even if you don't speak spanish and your counterpart does danish japanese anything this is one of the only shared stories we have and what we are collectively living in in that shared story is a moment where we are two minutes to midnight and you know what the world feels like right now two Two minutes minutes to to midnight. midnight so we are where we used to get our tonic to your point rachel we are now facing reality yeah and where we and the the homogeny that used to keep us vaguely safe in the filmmaking, that's led us to darkness. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's the only thing that's going to give us a tonic? What? Maybe Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. And that's how we're going to take that seriously. Definitely Captain Marvel. Penny is coming back. Definitely Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is going to save the fucking world, literally storytelling wise, on a film. Everything. And if she doesn't, I will sink Manhattan. Guys, how much more time do we have left at 6.02? I think we're going to take... Can we take five more minutes? We're going to take five more five minutes. Five more minutes. <laughs> I thought we were, like, like, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> so we're going to have at least five more minutes. And then to your point about the trigger warnings, and this is something I say having not thought it through, and I have real questions, but I think about Bambi's mother. I come back to, as a child... Tying it back to Disney. I, I, in a Disney program, no less, I encounter... Um, a moment of death that is, we would and legitimately think of as traumatizing. And to a degree, it is. It is. It is. And it's also a place where you learn a lesson. And that might be an act of white privilege, to, quite frankly. Like, white people have the privilege of learning about death through Bambi. And I don't count on anyone having to do that. And I will say, no. Bambi's mother does stay dead. And we know that none of these people are going to stay dead. And, and well, she's going to be in Infinity War Part 2. Oh, that's true. Yeah, she's, she's, the, she's the deus ex machina. Exactly. Also, which of Stanley's cameos got dusted in this universe? <gasps> I was thinking wait, that's wait. how they eliminate oh my them God. for future that, that, yeah, that think is, about it. That is the grand question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it's it, it's him as the mailman in the Tim Story Fantastic Four movies that are not even in this canon, but then he just wanders in. I just hope Chris Evans, um, Johnny Storm, is the one that has to save everyone. That would really be incredible. We haven't even got... Uh, I'm so sad that we're running out of time because we haven't even gotten to get into like what'll happen in the next movie. Yeah. Or, or what I'm very interested in, Scott and I were talking about this on Thursday, uh, what will happen in the, like down the... Basically, post... The next movie. Yeah. Yeah. In the, the MCU. Basically, what's going to happen when Chris Evans and Downey 
uh, I have to drink now. Are, oh, yeah. are, uh, Did you figure it out? No, I, I, it's, it's my own rule. Oh, um, shit. Oh, do we make rules for no. ourselves? Anyway, and then I had to drink, too. Whatever. Um, when their contracts are out and what's going to happen in 10 years when they're like, you know what? Captain America needs to come back and maybe we'll recast them because if this thing is going to last for, like, the next 50 years, they will have to recast these roles eventually. It's inevitable. And I, I have a lot of... Th- now... They do. I don't... There's the legacy nature in the way that you can have Bucky become Cap. Like but also, he di- I don't think films have the capacity to surpass 50 years because, I mean, even in the the black and white era, we had legacy films like right. The Thing, like the Paramount, like Machine, the Universal Machine, and like stuff changes. Like, And I think things are going to change even faster than ever because of this immediacy of culture. Like, I think if the Marvel Universe is going to transcend past this 10, maybe 15-year arc, they're going to have to either change drastically or stop. Like, these are the options. They're not going to stop. But But I think that things can be blockbusters and, like, things can have their season and their time, but they... They don't get to last right because I think we're gonna get tired. Like we're going. Like you say I've that, already but this gotten... just had the biggest opening weekend of all time, and so Marvel movies. But are not so slow did at... Gone with the Wind, but we don't make those kinds of movies anymore. Like things, right? But I, I'm just saying they're still gonna be making Marvel movies ten years down the road. And it is a question of how popular they're gonna be, but they're definitely planned out for at least another. They're 10 not years. slowing down Un- right now, unless no, they're not. Unless they are trolling us the way they trolled us in these trailers. Which would be the ultimate troll job of, of all time. But who knows about that? And, and we got to reveal these rules here in a second. But what, what I'll say, too, because to, I promised I would hit all four points. And this is a question that we're going to have to answer on part three. And what, <laughs> I am, what I am proposing, guys, I'm booked for the next few weeks. But Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out. And I say we go back to the well on Marvel. Oh, please. In and around Ant-Man and the Wasp. We're going to do this. I'm declaring it now. So we are going to hit Avengers one more time in a few weeks. Yes. But to your point about trigger warnings, and it's something maybe we think about in terms of this episode, what is the line between a trigger warning that is in service of the story or in service of the audience? And I don't know what that is. Because I think of the moment with Bambi as if you're prepared for that, it's not actually in service of you watching it. No. It actually distracts you from the story. And I think it does in the instance of this film too. But I could understand it being triggering, and I have zero idea where that is, and I'm going to think on it yeah, for think next on time. It. It's important. And then we are now, we did, again, we didn't do your cutoff. We're fu- I swear we'll do it on the third one. We got to reveal these rules that have kept us drinking. Uh, I mean, none of my rules came up. Uh, my rule was if anyone mentions the actors by name, oh, and shit. no one did it. No but one me. did it. Well, we knew it was safe. To talk about the character names, because I already did the big it one. It was only last safe one. to care about some of the character names, as you will find out. So not Spider Man. Nope, he was not safe. He huh. was not. Scott, what was that rule? That rule, and hat tip to Molly Gaby, was anytime a white cis male identifying Avenger is mentioned by their code name, you have to take a drink. So Star Lord and Spider Man were instantaneous drinks. And it didn't matter if it was their movie or not. Thus, Star-Lord, we have no idea how Thanos identifies. So Thanos was not a drink. Star-Lord, Spider-Man, those were crushers. Okay. Iron Man. 
Iron Man, exactly, exactly. I, I just totally assumed it was me talking about Raimi movies. No. The other role, and the one that crushed us, inspired by the movie, was the Soul Stone role, which was anytime someone takes a drink, someone else has to take a drink. <laughs> it was a soul for a soul. It was completely <laughs> random, because I love you both very much. And you so, wanted us drunk. And so anytime one of us drunk, someone else had to drink. It was the Soul Stone role. Hmm. Kaboom. I like it. Wow. Uh, my rule that got us the most was any mention of referencing a podcast or thinking about starting a podcast. It was pretty much just like an overarching, <laughs> like the moment we were like, oh, we'll make a forever podcast of this. And I'm like, that needs to be a drinking rule because I have a feeling we're going to talk a lot about other podcasts. You, you and then be correct. like, you let's so start right. a podcast about this. And like, I'm going to start a podcast about Carol Burnett. Whatever. <laughs> That is incredible. Yeah, because it happened, and yeah. Uh, also, I had any time Wakanda was mentioned because uh, I, I really also thought had we were, that, and it didn't. I really, really thought happen. we were going to get into that set piece. We have to do a part three. No, the, the part three is happening. This and, is really. And then I also had one that any time we referenced any of the CG in the movie, ah. which we didn't, which and we, we yeah. still have. One of mine was anytime Scott talks about acting. It's apparently I'm just not that kind of actor. Good, no. apparently, which makes me feel okay. We, we should really should we end this? Do we we, have to, we, have we should wrap this up. <laughs> so we, like plug stuff. I'm just like I keep expecting just to get kicked out like any time. <laughs> so please, Patrick, plug what you got going on. Okay, uh, you can watch videos that I make that Scott uh, appears in sometimes, including stuff that's coming out very soon uh, at YouTube.com/slash Patrick H Willem. Some of those videos will be talking about movies, kind of like I did here, but often more soberly. Sometimes not. And uh, follow me on all the social medias at Patrick H Willems. Rachel, you're next. Um, please uh, be on the lookout for my upcoming podcast, uh, Do We Need This, that I do with my partner about dumb things that we own. Uh, before you do that, feel free to follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram as Rachel Corky. I'm on uh, Twitter as at I am Rachel Shank. And find me on Facebook under Rachel Shank and Rachel Quirky Shank. Uh, the more you follow me, the more you'll know where you can see me live, including on May 11th when I do a burlesque tribute to Scrubs and on uh, June 16th when I do a burlesque tribute to the McElroy Show family of products. And that, I, sorry, I also realized I forgot to plug my own podcast, which is called We Heart Hartnett, exploring the filmography of the actor Josh Hartnett. Scott will be an upcoming guest in, uh, I believe the episode drops May 15th. Very excited about that. We talked Black Hawk Down, and we it was did. a hell of an experience. Yeah. And speaking of May dates, I'm going to plug that on May 12th, if you are in the Brooklyn or New York area, my improv group, Ten Bones Theater Company, is doing Jurassic Park entirely from memory yes. at the Pitt Theater. And we are super stoked to do that. We're going to try to recreate the movie and fail miserably. Please come out and check that out. I also want to shout out Cast Sound Lab for recording us today. New England Brewing Company, Iron Brewing Company. Go check them out if you are in the tri-state area. They make incredible stuff. Follow us at On The Rails Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. We will be back in a week with the Song of Summer debate with UCB's great Ben Furness as our confirmed guest. I want to thank Rachel and Patrick again, and we will see you in seven days. Until then, cheers, y'all. Peace. Bye. Bye.